You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. I'm going to be iconic. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on X, that repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on X as well, over at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our very good friends over at SportBuff, where if you go there to their website and use the promo code ALSFLIGHTDECK10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com. Use the promo code, save 10%, buy lots of great merch, including Grey Cup merch, and as always, support local. Have you missed any of the previous episodes of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast? Well, don't worry. If you head over to our archive over at www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca, you can see all seven plus seasons of our uh, of our broadcasts and get caught up because we got some great great interviews uh and throughout the years you can also find us over on uh, on x and that is at alouette's fl deck you can find us at facebook at alouette's flight deck pod instagram and threads you can find us over at alouette's flight deck YouTube.com, where you can find uh, all of the archives of our Flight Deck Live. You can find uh, the audio video version. That's a weird way to saying it, but uh, of all our pod- recent podcasts also, and uh, much, much more. So head over to YouTube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And lastly, if you wanted to rep the merch of the podcast, you can do so by heading over to FlightDeckGear.ca, where... Through the week before Christmas, Cliff, if you use the promo code CHAMPS23, you will save 10% off your entire order, which means you can also pick up the new We The Ones t-shirt that is a part of our If You Know You Know line here at the Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. And what better way to celebrate the Montreal Alouette's winning the Grey Cup than letting everybody know that We The Ones exactly so uh, buy the shirt yeah, yeah. also re- also real quickly you can find us on blue sky uh just search for at repact at cliffy d and at Elowitz fl deck it is we you know we were watching you know one of our you know one of our friends over the cfl pod network uh cfl yeah uh you know cfl uh, we were watching the turf district podcast last night and they kind of made us you know, kind of made us remember that it really has not been that long since Grey Cup ended, even though it seems like so long ago. It really is less than uh, just it's less than fourteen days, less than fourteen days since Grey since Seattle West won the Grey Cup. It's, it's just true. like see, even though it seems so far uh, and so long ago, things just keep happening, man. They, the Alouettes are ramping up everything, and, and it's just great to see when it comes to how they are, uh, I don't I don't say taking advantage of the Grey Cup, but that's basically what it is. They're using the Grey, Camp to, Grey Cup to their advantage. I mean, what can we say about, you know, a couple days later after, uh, after the weekend, 
they have the the meet and greet over at the uh, over the casino, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, two hour block there. The Grey Cup was there. Uh, many many players: uh, Mark Waitman, Danny Mac, uh, J- Jason Moss. I, again, I just love being able to be there. Great lighting on that Grey Cup, by the way. The, the Grey Cup uh, photo op um, that was going up on my wall. Um, but man. I, I don't blame them for doing what they're doing. And then they had that hit on TSN 690, you know, Sean Lemon and, T- and Tyson Philpot. They've been everywhere, man. They have uh, also dominating the French airwaves as well uh, here in Quebec. So, I mean, Marc-Antoine Lacroix, who has truly become almost a folk hero, if you will, uh, partially fueled by his uh, his little rant after uh, winning the Grey Cup about how he felt the Alouettes and the province of Quebec were disrespected by the English media. Uh, again, I, I think some of it was kind of taken out of context, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, Marc Antoine has never shied away from the fact that he's a very proud French Canadian, a very proud Quebecois, and has definitely wanted to let the world know that yes, the Alouettes are champions and that he does represent the province of Quebec very proudly. So kudos to him for that. Exactly. I mean, it's, uh, I think, I think for him, it's the hair. <laughs> it's a tremendous flow. There's no question about that. I I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know what? I don't have too many regrets about the, the interviews we did at Grey Cup, but uh, when we had Marc Antoine de Croix, we should have got some hair care tips because, <laughs> man, that dude, he, whatever he's doing is working. I'll, I'll give, him, give him full props. What he's doing is working. So, yeah, exactly. Can't complain. Can't complain at all. Um, obviously, today the Owls ended with their uh, um, the year-end uh, press conference over at the Big O today, and some some nice numbers coming out from the Owls, you know, concerning the the bump when it comes to the Great Cup, uh, winning the Great Cup, and just twenty. Right, currently, it looks like twenty twenty four is going to be you know quite good, and we will go into it more obviously when we bring in uh, in a future episode when we do speak with uh, with Mark Waitman, you know, in our yearly state of the team uh, uh, interview. But anything that that was brought up today that really stood out to you? I mean, one for me was the just the amount of season tickets that that the Owls have sold since the Grey Cup win. I think it's close to a thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive and you know whether it's because of the fact the Elwitz won the great cup and in such dramatic fashion uh whether it's just the after effects of having a, a championship parade for the first time in 13 years uh, i i think people just all of a sudden are like okay i want to be a part of this i i want to get on board this train and let's see where it goes and for whatever reason though regardless of the reason why people are now all of a sudden all in on the Alouettes, it's great i mean the you know, we had joked earlier in the year, like, you know, bandwagons closed because a lot of people didn't <laughs> want to know nothing about the Alouettes. But now all of a sudden they win the Grey Cup and now you want to be on board. Well, guess what? The team does want you on board. They want your support. They want your love. They want your money, obviously. But <laughs> they, they want you to be a part of this thing. It, Alouettes Nation has to grow. Alouettes Nation has to keep as strong as it's been and keep going forward, keep expanding. And what better way to do that than to say, yeah, all right, I, I got to see this defending, now defending Grey Cup Championship team in action. And best way to do it, folks, 
get your season tickets. I mean, I don't think there's doing that Black Friday special anymore. So, you know, you, you may have to pay full pop, but you know what? If this Alouette team has taught you nothing else this past year, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be entertained by this team. Win, lose, or draw. This team is going to entertain the hell out of you. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, I think to um, what was it? Uh, it, it? We were talking about, you know, it, it's a FOMO moment. I think that's what it is, Cliff. You know, the, how it was with the puts in helmets originally, you know, and how they created that that type of FOMO moment. This is what it is. You know, people do not want to get left behind. Uh, you know, and see what they do. The guys do in 2024. Uh, also, too, I think uh, total ticket sales are up a grand total of, I think it was 17%. You can't blame, that's, that to me, that is, that is, uh, when you look at all the numbers, that's fantastic. You know, that's across the board. That's season tickets, that's uh, loges, and that is corporate sales, if I remember correctly, or corporate tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the big question, because this is one thing that we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, and also stay tuned, because we are going to be talking uh, with a, uh, uh, with one of the local broadcasters here in Montreal to try to find out uh, how they look at the the, the Alouettes Grey Cup win. We have invited back uh, the English voice of the Montreal Alouettes, Sean Campbell from TSN 690, so stay tuned for that one. Mm-hmm. But the, one of the, obviously the questions to word out to Danny Mack is that, you know, uh, you know, the, the, how, what is this team going to look like? And of the lists of people that are currently listed as free agents, how strong are they going to be going after X, Y, and Z player? And it was very interesting to hear some of the answers that Danny Mac gave when it came to specific players, wasn't it? Yep. And it's funny because we talked with players, obviously after the great cup, uh, you know, you know, talking with them afterwards. And a lot of them were just immediately, maybe it was just the, euphoria of winning the great cup and the way they did they're like we all want to come back we're running it back we're you know they you know, we want to repeat you know the, the, there's that excitement and then like you know after a couple of days and things die down and the celebrations stop and all, all that jazz and it finally sinks in like yes you did win the great cup and you did it as a member of the montreal alouettes are you willing to do that again mm-hmm. and if so are you prepared to play for the same amount or are you now thinking to yourself, you know what? I, I took a haircut to play for this team. They took a chance on me. I took a chance on them. But clearly, I played well enough to help win this great cup. I got to get paid. And that's certainly their prerogative as well. But you can't pay everybody. That's the thing is yeah. you know, you, you've got a salary management system. Uh, a lot of guys are already under contract and making you know, very decent money. Uh, a lot of guys were beneficiaries of uh, on a they were on a prorated salary. So, you know, now if they're going to sign a contract, gonna, yeah, those are going to be the interesting ones from, that I'm going to be watching. But yeah, yeah, like you talk about like the the big acquisitions uh, throughout the season, like the Sean Lemons and Darnell Sankeys. I mean, you know, it's all well and good to pay guys uh, you know prorated amount of money, but you know that they're going to want to get paid. They they're going they've proven and listen, you can you can definitely make the argument that without the additions of Sean Lemon and Darnell Sankey, for example, this Alouette's team may not have made it to the big dance. So they're going to want to be compensated, and who could blame them? But these guys, too, have also said they want to come back to Montreal. They love Montreal. Sean Lemon was just in awe 
of the the parade. Like he he posted on his uh, his ex account that my God, like you guys showed the love. Like the, this city is amazing, and mm-hmm. even compared, said like compared to the Grey Cup celebrations I was a part of in uh, Calgary and in Toronto, Montreal wins by a country mile. Like so you can you can tell he he's loving life in Montreal. Darnell Sankey too it made it very clear he wants to come back. So yeah. don't you mean win by a country road? By the way, uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, I, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> I, and if you know, you know, right? Like that's, yeah, that's right. And you're right about Sean Lemon. By the way, he was on TSN six ninety along with Tyson Philpot. He he said the exact. You just did exactly what he was saying, Cliff. He wants to come back. You know, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's th- those are just platitudes. I think those are those that's honest, honest talk. Um, you know, when we were there, the, it's, it was really hard to talk shop. You really don't want to talk shop with the guys. You know, we were limited time when we went to the casino, so it's you know it's hard to gauge specifics. Um, you know, guys who are in option years, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, dude. You know, we're going over the list here in a couple of minutes, but uh, I have a couple of names already in mind of who I don't think will be returning. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think losing one of these players, I think, will free up some money on the salary cap for the Alouettes. But as you said, what if you put the grand total of what, say, a Sean Lemon or Darnell Sankey was getting was getting prorated at, what it would have been at a, as a full co- year contract? What would those amounts be? We don't know. We have no clue. So, and if you take a look at their production as well, I mean, even oh, even no prorating, like if like what what price tag would you put on that kind of production? Because that's what you're basically going to pay them based on is well, this is what they did last year, and we expect them to do the exact same thing this year. You know, and but. Football, as you know, is uh, what have you done for me lately business. I mean, you're only as good as your mm-hmm. last game. Now, Sean Lemon and Darnell Sankey's last game was pretty <laughs> fantastic. So, yeah. okay. At that point, you're, you you almost just want to say, okay, whatever you want, we'll pay it. We just want you back. And they want to be back. So, you, you get that excitement. But in the next over the next few weeks and going into free agency in February, a lot's going to change between – today and 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 that time so i mean i think will so. come down I, I think some of the excitement will die down i think some of the reality will set in and it's going to be a matter of danny machocha saying to these guys listen we want you back you want to be back how how can we make this work how can we find a way so that everybody walks away happy so that's yeah. that's going to be the challenge and i'll tell you what if anyone's going to be able to pull that off it will be danny machocha who we've talked about this tim as far as we're concerned, if there was a GM of the year award, mm-hmm. he'd win in a landslide just for the yep. phenomenal work he has done this year. Yep, I agree. And, um, you know, you talk about the names that that, that were dropped. Uh, one was specifically William Stanbeck. He, uh, I think Danny Max said he was going to talk to him this week. You talked mm-hmm. about Lemon, talked about Sankey. Uh, by the way, and and this is just me thinking just based on what happened this year, and we do understand that Cody was signed to a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. I would not be, and this is just me. I don't. I, there's no insider information. I would not be surprised if they give Cody an extension for another year. Would not be surprised, depending on it, who, who they bring back, and it's it'll be on the cap for next year and da, 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 for 2025. I would not be surprised. 
But now, an- another question too, then is if they do give him an extension, does that mean they rework his contract? So it's a little more team friendly, like again, w- without mm. knowing the exact details of how much he's paid, would he, in, a- in addition to, in an effort to keep the band together, so to speak, would he be willing to take a bit of a haircut because he proved, he proved that he's a winner. He, he, right. proved that he, he said he was going to win the great cup and he did it now. I don't think he's motivated by money, but I think he was this year. He was motivated by proving everybody wrong about what they had to say about him. But at the same time, he also wants, he's also going to command a a, a pretty healthy salary as well. So if he's going to renegotiate, is there a way of working it around that you can properly compensate him? But at the same time, kind of like Tom Brady used to do back in the day is leave money on the table in order to, bring back a lot of these veterans or these players that helped make him the superstar that he has become. Right. And by the way, the reason for my thought, my thought process on that cliff before we get, because we're going to get to the list here in a couple of minutes mm-hmm. is because if I'm not mistaken, that would, that would, if he were to renegotiate his cut or if he were to do an extension, that would bring him into his third year with the Alouettes, which automatically he becomes eligible to have guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. That's my thought on that. That would be the perfect way to do it for Cody, mm-hmm. where he would get some guarantee. Now he may uh, he may have. I, I think it's three of the same, three of the same, and then five. I, I don't know. I remember. I think it's three of the same, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I mean, twenty twenty five is going to be interesting too. But anyways, uh, thoughts. By the way. Do you agree with obviously trying to trying to keep because we have a lot you know Stanback I think is is a priority in in uh, in Danny Mac's mind and in my mind too. Without question, uh, in fact, uh, all three running backs of the vaunted three headed monster, yeah, are all pending th- free agents, and as far as I'm concerned, all three should be brought back and yeah, find a way to make that happen because they are going to help Cody Fajardo immensely. I mean, regardless of the combination, whether it's, you know, any one of the either Antwi, Fletcher or Stanback, you put any of the two of those three guys out there. I mean, if you could dress all three more power to you, but just any combination of those two guys, you know, great things are going to happen in the backfield. And to me, yeah, I think definitely Stanback's going to want to get paid because he's been playing at a, a very high level for a number of years now. He's put in the time he's. He's been through the mud, so to speak. So he, he's going to want his. Uh, Jeshwin, definitely, you know, a very young, exciting running back who's just going to get better over the and next a ratio, couple of years. And a ratio breaker. Ratio definitely breaker. 100% ratio breaker, as we is. Uh, phenomenal punting, as we saw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's got to be worth some money right there, as far I as know, I'm concerned. I tell you. <laughs> and, and Fletch. My God. I mean... We didn't get to see a whole lot of him towards the end, but uh, when he's come in, he has just been absolutely phenomenal. He has answered the call every single time. As far as I'm concerned, you got to find a way to keep all three of these guys. You got to keep that three-headed monster of the backfield in place for 2024. Yeah, uh, wasn't the last time we saw Fletch active was in Edmonton? Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's played, and played a fantastic game. Like again, every time he steps on the field, he does great things, and you can say that about. All three of these guys, every time they step on the field. So I know it's going to be tough because 
you want to dress all three and mm-hmm. if you're able to you, you do it and but if you're not then you gotta you, you gotta do some like you know roster gymnastics to make it happen but i mean you get you get all three of these guys a chance to, to touch the ball good things are going to happen so i mean it, it to me it behooves the alouettes to ensure that all three of these gentlemen are still in red and blue come 2024 yeah. Uh, after that, fullbacks listed currently, Cliff, are Alexander uh, Gagne and James Tuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, receivers, Regis Cibisu, um, uh, Greg Ellingson, and Jake Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I honestly think I said when we were talking about earlier before about certain money, as much as I love Greg Ellingson and what he's done, I just... I don't think Greg will be back. That's my opinion. I don't think Greg will be back. Um, I would have loved to have seen him more what he could do, but look at the wide receivers that he has. I mean, hey, hey, stay as a coach? Sure. Why not? Why not? I'll be happy about that. Um, I mean, they've already, got a, they've already got a pretty good receivers coach in Michael Leonardo. Leonardo but That's true, too. That's true, too. Uh, offensive yeah. lineman, David Brown, Philip Gagnon, Jesse Gibbon, Christian Matt. That's a huge one there. Uh, and Landon Rice, thoughts mm-hmm. on those? Because I know that they were talking to Christian Matt before. They've already asked him. You know, they brought up the R word. Um, you know, I, 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 I was showing you pictures. It's funny of the last Grey Cup, and I took a, I t- took a picture with the Grey Cup with a, with a very baby-faced Christian Matt. <laughs> I, I saw that. That was, uh, that was hilarious. Like, yeah. but yeah, like now. That's the thing. Yes, his first year with the Alouettes, he won a Grey Cup as a member of the practice squad. This year, he won the Grey Cup as an actual starting member of the Alouettes. I mean, it's a bit of a full circle moment for him. And let's let's face it: in 13 years, this guy has definitely seen some stuff. He, he's he's seen the. You talk about sticking with a team through thick and thin. That's yeah. exactly what Christian Matt has done. Like, and he truly is that last link to the 2010 Grey Cup. I mean, as, right. active, as far as active players go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, But I, is he thinking about retirement? Is he thinking, did he did he have his moment where it's like, okay, I'm at peace with my career. I want to go out as a champion. Maybe, or maybe he's like, you know what? I was part of a repeat, a back-to-back championship way back in the day. I would love to be a part of that again. That could be a thought too. I, I guess truly it's, it's going to take some time, I guess, for Christians to sort of think about things and I guess reflect back with his family and decide how th- does he still have it in him? Does he still have that fire inside of him that's been motivating him for so many years? Uh, I mean, just based on the, ch- the chats we've had with him, I want to say yes. I, I, I think he definitely does feel that way. Uh, but it could be another situation where so many, especially offensive linemen, they go through the rigors of the off season, just trying to get ready, trying to stay ready and stay in shape. And that, and then when it comes time for training camp, you realize, Holy shit, this is a grind. This is tough. I'm, I'm too old for this. I mean, that's, that's the unfortunate part is Christian Matt is not a young man anymore, but maybe this great cup win was, could be his fountain of youth. Maybe he will have found that, uh, that extra fire inside of him. Mm-hmm. I guess time's going to tell. I mean, I, I definitely think if anyone's earned the right to go out on his own terms, it's 100% Christian Matt. He may decide that, you know, 
I, I want to go out as a champion, just like Ben Cahoon did in 2010. Uh, maybe that's what he's thinking. I, I Again, the only person who could truly answer that would be Christian Matt, but I, I think definitely he he has earned the right to make that decision. And if he wants, if he thinks he's got one more year in him, he thinks he can try and get with that one more championship, then by all means do so. And talk about someone that, you know, is, has been such a great mentor for the, the youngsters on the offensive yeah. line, like for the uh, Pierre Olivier Lestage, the, uh, uh, the Philip Gagnos. I mean, like just guys, he, these are guys I've looked up to Christian and see him as a leader as well. Uh, in mm-hmm. addition to uh, offensive line coach Luke Bruder Jodin, exactly. I mean, I mean, ultimately, it's it's going to be a Christian's decision to make, and I would respect however he feels. But that's going to be a very interesting topic, and curious to see how that's going to play out. Yep, uh, defensive lineman Vincent Desjardins. Here come the big names, buddy: Avery Ellis, and then Sean Lemon. Mm. And while we talked about Sean uh, getting Avery back, also I think would be a would be a priority for Danny Mac too. Um, linebackers, Tyrese Beverett. Oh, can't can't forget the Bev. Nope. Never, never, never. <laughs> nope. Uh, uh, Frederick Chagnon, Darnell Sankey, and Avery Williams. Yeah, all these guys definitely contributed this year. They all made major plays happen, and I definitely think. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely say, especially Beverett and Sankey, I think are yeah. going to be priorities one and two when it comes to the linebacking core. Uh, Shanyo and Williams, again, very solid, very good contributors. Uh, there's definitely a place for them I, as far as I'm concerned on this team. I guess truly it is going to come down to would they be willing to take a, a more team-friendly deal to, to stay on board or, you know, are they are they thinking now that they've got their ring, they got their championship, that maybe they take their talents elsewhere? Again, it's this is going to be interesting. I, you know, these are these are all men that I would definitely like to see back in, uh, backing up uh, already the, the linebackers that we have on this team. Absolutely phenomenal. They're a big part of that. So, I guess, like I said, <laughs> a lot could happen between now and February. We, 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 we're probably going to be saying that a million times now between. Well, now in February, <laughs> yes, <laughs> a, a lot can happen. So, I, yeah. I, I guess at this point, you just you, you just hope for the best. Truly my hope, my hope is that uh, that Beverett gets signed. I don't think Danny Mac wants to have a repeat of what happened by losing a Darius Pickett. Uh, so I I would not be surprised if if uh, if uh, you know he he's you know Tyrese is within that group of players. That, that that need to be done before uh before free agency starts. Yeah, I mean he's he's played in Grey Cups before for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh finally got his ring with the Alouettes. So I, mm-hmm. I, I imagine that'll be a big factor in his thinking as well. But at the same time, he had a monster year this year. And no doubt he's gonna he's when it comes time to negotiate his contract, he's gonna say he's gonna point to all the stats and he's gonna say, mm-hmm. listen. I balled out big time this year and I want to be paid for someone, uh, you know, in the same range as someone who plays at a championship level. So, and you can't fault him for that. No, no, you can't. And if he, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get it here, I guarantee there's eight other teams that are going to be looking like, Oh, 
oh, you don't want Tyrese Beverett? Well, we want Tyrese Beverett. And I, yeah, I think the plus this year though is that obviously this off season is not going to be what the off season was last. You know, last year. That, as far that, as like, as that, far as that's a cons- plus. That that's a huge plus. Like the the uncertainty and all the uh, you know the the malaise, if you will, that fell on the LOS last February, oh, last oh, January and February. Is that what it was? <laughs> Call it what you will. I mean, I, I I've got some other words, but we're trying to keep this a family friendly show, and we'll just yeah. Listen, well, that was well, then. I think, this I think is now. one of the one of the comments. It does end with show. Um, <laughs> it does. It's just it does. another word that begins with S. So yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, by the way, lastly, we can't. By the way, defensive backs: Siante Evans, Nafis Line, and Najee Murray. Mm. So we. So th- yeah. there are a lot of there. Are, obviously, people know these names now as much as we do because of what they did in 2023 and obviously as a reminder to anybody who who finished the season on the practice roster is currently a free agent so that means all of our globals uh all of our extra punters kickers etc 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 um they're all free agents they are and again no doubt they'd be welcome back too because you know obviously the the team thought enough of them to keep them on board throughout the year so any number of things could happen. And some of these guys too, were probably just waiting for a chance. And that means if a more established star decides to take their talents elsewhere, then that just opens up a spot that opens up an opportunity for one of these guys to come in and say, listen, I can be that guy. Like if nothing else, you take a look at like the Reggie Stubblefields and the KB Entos guys. We didn't know uh, one year ago. We didn't know who those guys were, Mm-mm. but look what happened. They, they, they got their chance. And they made the most of it, and they're great cup champions too. Exactly. It, it, it's just a simple matter of be ready when your number is called, and that could very well happen with any of these uh, practice roster guys or new people get brought in all the time as well. So any number of things could happen. That's part of the fun and also part of the stress, if you will, of free agency because your first inclination, I'm sure, as an Alouettes fan, is well, listen, you got to keep everybody. You got to keep everybody because this is what you know this is the championship team. You got to keep these guys together. And yeah, in a perfect world, you would knowing full well what they're capable of doing, but easier said than done. Exactly. For all the reasons we mentioned and and many more, it's just not as simple as that. So in Machocha, we trust. I think that's how you have to look at it. It's I'm sure a lot of people, you know, if you said that a year ago, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) But look, hey. look what he, look what he's done. As far as I'm concerned, look what he's done, and he could tell me, okay, I want to keep the, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, and be like, you got it. If if, if you think that this is a, what I trust your judgment, hundred yeah, percent, I trust the judgment of Danny Machocha. We gave Danny Mac some 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 grief at the beginning. We really did, but you know, we are, uh, you know, we're adult enough to say that you know. We knew it was a it was it was a process. We were wrong, and Danny Mac has just shown why he is one of the best GMs in the league. Bar Without none. question. Without yeah, question. Yeah. I, I, when it comes to the architect, and this is what he talked about, even all the way back in 2020 when he was hired by the Alouettes as general manager, he wanted the opportunity to build a championship roster. Mm-hmm. It took him three years. That's not bad. 
that is really not bad when you think about it, folks. I mean, no. you, know, you, you know, everybody talks about the five-year plan, the five-year plan, sometimes even a 10-year plan. Like, Danny Mac clearly had a three-year plan, and it worked. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, getting there was quite the adventure, let me tell you. But at the end of the day, you take a look at exactly what he's done for this Alouette's organization, and seriously, it's just, Wow. Wow. Like, and, and it just comes down to a simple matter of, okay, new ownership comes in. You, you know, they've got money. You know, the bills are going to be paid. You know that, okay, I've got to assign players. I still have to, again, you still have to respect and maintain the salary management system, but knowing that you can go out and get the players that you think will be the ones that are going to help you win the gray cup and not have to worry about, you know, the, you know, bills being paid or will fans mm-hmm. be allowed in because you know like are, are even fans even going to show up for games for crying out loud like you know like all, yeah. all these questions got answered everything was taken care of danny mac was able to do the job that he was able to do and wow yeah can't yeah so, i can't so, can't complain like i said we got the cup so i can't i can't complain whatsoever so you, as, as they say you can question the methods but you can't argue the results no now, we were talking before, too. By the way, stay tuned to all of our socials for any information that comes across when it comes to this, comes to to uh, uh, the free agency and any of these guys. Because, again, like I said just you know, a couple of minutes ago, this is not going to be the same type of, of uh, you know off-season and free agency that it was last year in any way, shape, or form. So it, it, the Owls look good. It's just a matter of... Uh, keeping track of the uh, of the roster and seeing who's who's who stays, who doesn't, and, and we'll just go from there. So, but I, I, you know, it's funny to say, you know, I can make a prediction, Cliff. That I think we're going to lose at least one one of those names on that list. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think anybody could say that. Even you could say that. I mean, I'm sure, you have a couple names in, in, that you've seen that you probably think they will not be back. But you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, it, that's that's football. That's money. That's free agency. That's sport. That's that's, that, that's being a, yeah, that's business. That's being a supporter. That's being a fan. That's you know whatever it may be. But and by the way, you know obviously you know as as the the position that we're in as supporters, Cliff, uh, you know we know how we are feeling when it came to this past year with the with the Alouettes. But we also wanted to find out how it was like when it came to the other side, the side that we don't normally see. You know, you know, when it comes to uh, broadcast partners within the CFL and specifically within Montreal. So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we, we uh, were able to speak with, uh, with Sean Campbell from TSN, who is the voice of the Alouettes at TSN 690. And uh, to be able to pick his brain when it came to um, what he thought of this past uh, championship season. So, uh, without further ado, let's get Sean in here and uh, let's, uh, let's get into his brain and see what he, see what he has to say. So the Grey Cup's done, and obviously there are a lot of reactions to uh, the Owls winning their eighth Grey Cup in Hamilton. Uh, we wanted to find out a little bit more from uh, from the reaction from local broadcast media. So we brought in a friend of ours. Uh, he is the English radio voice of the Montreal Alouettes from TSN 690, Sean Campbell. Hey, Sean, thanks for uh, coming back. Hey, no problem. I mean, uh, you guys have been working probably harder than me over the last few weeks, so as well keep trying to help out. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, obviously, as people know, if if, if people tuned into you know Sirius XM this uh, for Grey Cup, it, it wasn't either the uh, it wasn't either the Bombers or the Owls home you know home guys. Um, are, are you kind of disappointed? I really would would have loved to have heard 
you, uh, you know, over, you know, through the world, basically, everybody <laughs> would have heard you. But I mean, it's, I, I get it's a, it's a, it's a league thing and they had their own broadcast, but I'm sure you were a little bummed that you weren't able to call the Grey Cup. Yeah, look, it's something I knew already. I, I've known this for years that they that it's a national broadcast is working at the TSN that we we don't carry, uh, you know, we'll always carry the Grey Cup, but we carry the uh, national broadcast from TSN. And I know that they bring in the TV guys, like the secondary TV guys. So I knew Dustin was calling it prior to me calling it. So it wasn't this level of uh, disappointment. Yes, the answer is I'd love to have called the Grey Cup. The, the odd thing is it's the first al's game since 2019 that i watched on television and i know there was no season 2020 but i've been calling every game since i haven't missed one i am you know one of the few broadcasters that still travel um so it was you know every single al's game since then i've seen in person um so what i did ask because i didn't know they didn't know if the owls were making or not the moment the owls made it i said hey is there anything you guys need me to do part of the broadcast sideline reporter pregame host, you know, whatever. But they 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 had their plan in, in, in hand already. And that was fine. I got to go to my son's uh, ter- hockey tournament up in Toronto. So otherwise I wouldn't have been there. So, you know, I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. Uh, I'm not upset about it. I, I like Dustin. I think he calls a great game. I think it's, it, it was a, a fun broadcast, him and Marshall together. I listened to a good chunk of it. Um, so, no, I'm not I'm not upset. Of course, I would have loved to, but I, I already knew that I wasn't calling it. So it was, it was fine. I think Marco took it harder than I did. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, it's championship game, game that you're usually there and you're watching this team and you've seen it uh, grow from where it was, you know, coming out of the lockout to where it is. It's, you know, and, and I, and I, I know I travel with the team, but I'm not, you know, I'm not part of the team. I'm just, you know, a, a member of the media that that's kind of like tagging along for the ride. Yeah. And it, it was a, it was a real fun ride. And, you know, I I enjoyed watching it with my family. That's that's what I did. Although uh, going to Tremblant is not a bad consolation prize. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the team made it to the semifinals too, and it would have been complicated because if they made the final, it would have been at four thirty on Sunday afternoon, and that that probably meant I would have had to hear the whole radio broadcast on the drive <laughs> home in traffic. But they lost in the semi, so I was I was home in time to watch it on my own couch. <laughs> On, on on this couch, actually. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I would imagine what traffic Montreal never yeah. from up from up north never yeah, coming back on a Sunday yeah so <laughs> it was, uh, but like I said it was it was it was a fun game and it, and it, it is great it gives me a different perspective too watching and I, and, I, and by the way I, I I have a great relationship with Rod so I was watching Rod on TV and I lo- I love Rod he's he's a friend of our show Campbell versus Gallo and uh, you know he he's to me the voice of the CFL so. It was it was it was fun. It was a fun game. Yeah, we saw we saw the guys from TSN over at the uh, uh, over at the Canada uh, Hall of Fame ceremony and breakfast uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it was it was cool. But for I mean, obviously leading up to I guess we can ask how your reaction was uh, for the semifinal. Uh, sorry for the East final. Uh, take me through what what you guys in the booth were thinking, man. Because you know, as I said, it's. First time that you've been calling the Allisons and they're going to a championship. I know Marco, it's the same, you know, same thing for him. But I mean, you know, being calling the game itself. But yeah. what what was the what what was your overall uh, you know feel like and stuff like that for the uh, for the final? So the East final, I felt like maybe I was one of the few people that really felt that the Alice had a chance. 
I from the moment that Toronto clinched that game uh, against Montreal and they clinched first, one, the Owls put up a fight in that game. And two out of three games, it was a one-score game. That's, that's how I felt. And the game that they got really beat up, they were uh, still trying to figure out things defensively. They didn't they didn't have all the pieces. They were down to third, fourth string. Guys were getting banged up. So I kind of, you know, I understood that aspect of it. Uh, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but you have a team that had to scratch and claw their way back into the playoff race and go on this win streak, whereas they had to win their final seven games, or they won their final, I guess they won their final six games at the time. Only one of them didn't matter. All of them, all the rest did matter in the standings. Just you had that final game against Hamilton versus a team that they weren't playing competitive football. I just don't, I don't like that. I just, you know, I, I, I don't know how you can get as a, as an athlete, like revved up and you think you could, you know, you get paid the money, but I, I thought the Owls had a chance. Now I didn't think the game was going to go the way that it went, but I thought the Owls had a chance. And uh, from the booth, by the way, we weren't in the booth. Uh, we were outside the booth because the CFL kicked us out of the booth at BMO. And we were in the elements at uh, BMO Field. Marco believes it's uh, the harsh words he had for Randy Ambrosi. But I'll let Marco, he says that's why he thinks the CFL kicked us out of the booth. But we had great uh, sight lines. It was fine. We were just a little chilly. And uh, I think to this day, I've been on it. You know, I've been watching CFL pretty much, you know, since I was a teenager. But covering it since 2007 on a daily basis, that might have been the best defensive performance I've ever seen in the CFL ever and being alongside Marco every single series they did something and in that third quarter it was unbelievable it was it was like turnover again he he threw an interception again a, a pick six again a fumble again that that was our reaction and and then the game was it was just done there was no even when they got within 14 points James Lanchard Jr. takes it back to the house. <laughs> what is going on? It was it was pretty remarkable that performance in the East Final. It really, really was. I mean, Decois, you know, obviously as you said, starting it off with that pick six, man. I mean, it's like I don't think anybody saw that coming, you know, Owls fans or the rest of the CFL, because from right at that point it was on and I think you know the, the owls were i think they do i mean do we call we can now call them a team of destiny i guess but i mean at that point it was like i you know i hated the narrative sean is like well you didn't the regular season uh it's not the regular season anymore you know anything can happen in the playoffs i mean it's i, I understand it's a talking point it's a narrative and stuff like that but it's um but by the way you telling me that you guys got kicked out into the cold what oh my god do i dare say only in the cfl what the the hell it was again we they told us ahead of time so we knew we were outside and i think it was (laughs) the year the year prior the french radio guys were outside and probably because we were in the at the east final last year against toronto was the same playoff setup we all know that um and i believe the french radio guys jean was telling us that they were outside the year prior and i don't know if it it was a flip a coin or next year if it happens again it'll be the other way around i'm not sure i mean it really doesn't affect marco and i because we're we hate when the windows are closed we open no matter the snow mm-hmm. the weather or you know uh you'll always see our garage door open at percival molson stadium we are you know men of the elements and uh, the, the place we hate to broadcast the most is uh, tim hortons field in uh, in Hamilton because the windows do not open everywhere else you are outside the windows open you can feel the elements you're right there I 
can't stand Hamilton whatsoever uh, because it's a great building, great, you know, everything. But the broadcast booth for radio, you're enclosed and the window is shut. And I feel like I'm in a fishbowl and I can't stand it. So wow. maybe it was a blessing in disguise that you didn't end up going to the Grey Cup after all. I would have. I would have sacrificed. <laughs> now let's be honest i'm pretty sure randy ambrosio was just jealous at marco and his instagram videos and those nut huggers and just you know that okay tough guy you can go outside and uh, and do your little commentary bit yeah i think it's his uh his shred shack uh you know and but that, the best thing about being outside was you know marco you you, you I, and you guys know marco pretty well and He's, he's got that outdoor bravado. And, and so we had our elements. I, I, I dressed appropriately. I knew everything. But at one point, I realized my feet were getting a little chilly. But I was like, I can't be the first to make a move. I can't go get the extra socks. I can't do it. I'm, I'm waiting it out. See if Marco does anything. Marco, after one quarter of play, he's like, dude, I got to do something about my feet. And he went and he did his, <laughs> fixed his socks. And I was like, now I can fix mine. I'm good. I wasn't the first one to crack. He was the first one to crack. And uh, I think I did it just, be- I think I did it at the three minute warning. I uh, threw, I had the extra socks. I didn't put them on. I didn't want my, I, I didn't know how cold it was going to get, get. But of course, you're just outside it and it wasn't freezing. It wasn't the temperature this year for all the games we called were pretty good. It, it's just the extended period that you're mm-hmm. outside. That's all, that's all it was. I mean, you know, the setup they had was really, it was, it was fine. It wasn't, you know, that bad. But I just, I was just glad I outlasted Marco on the extra socks. That's all. It was damp. It wasn't. It's true. It wasn't that cold. It was just damp, and I think that's yeah. what made made it go through your body. It, it's like you're talking about funny how how you know you know like you got you know you guys were in the booth in Edmonton. We were out the out you know sitting in the stands in Edmonton. We're talking about. We can only imagine what it was like for you guys because I think our feeder cells got cold a little bit more uh, real quick. I think when we were out there, Cliff in Edmonton, because that something about that uh, Commonwealth uh, concrete, which is just absolutely horrible so <laughs> yeah it just retains the cold any kind of yeah, cold it just projects it onto you it, it's crazy <laughs> yeah i try to remember sometimes like i get into i'm like which broadcast booth is this again what does it look like and you know how's it how's it feel and it's it's funny because um i've done every stadium now but it's this odd thing i have not done the new stadium in Saskatchewan. The Owls haven't traveled there. And the last time I went was when I was only filling in for Rick and I went with David Sanchez and I was at their old stadium. Mm. So I haven't been to their new stadium yet, just with the way that the schedule is. And Marco every year, he's like, we got to go to, he checks because he he loves Regina because he played there for a couple of years. So that's, that's the only stadium that I haven't been to yet uh, across the league. Uh, but yeah, there's some real nice ones. There's there's some real nice ones across the league that I, I like. I told you Hamilton's the worst just because the, the window doesn't open. That's it. Other than that, and, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot real quick here. Jane, we'll get back on track. Well, what's your now that you say that? Obviously, except for per, you know, with Percival Molson being up there, what's your what's your second? I guess we could say second favorite place to call a game. Yeah, uh, I got soft spot. The the way they redesigned BC Place is really nice. Just the, it's a bigger, like I think of the big O, right? I'm like, maybe you could do something like this. They won't, it's too expensive. I get mm-hmm. it. But the way that they were able to kind of make this giant bowl capable of holding 25,000 people and make it feel like 25,000 people, not 20 in a 60, right? That we get in the big O, you have 20,000. You're like, oh, you got 20,000, but it looks empty because you're in a 60,000. 
the way that they configured it in, in BC and uh, the media setup is real nice and it, it felt state of the art for an older building. I, I really like BC. Yeah. By the way, what did you think of halftime at Grey Cup? I know you weren't in person, but uh, wh how did it come across? I thought it came across pretty well. I thought yeah. it, you know, I'm, I'm, I like Green Day. I don't hate them. I don't like love, love them, but I, I, I kind of enjoyed that they didn't do a mashup of 12 songs and two yes. minutes. They just said, hey, let's do uh, five songs, three minutes each, 15 minutes, rock out, let's go. It was simplistic, but quality. I, and mm -hmm. I thought the sound came across. I, I thought the vibe came across. I thought that the CFL did right by getting uh you know certain fans and cheerleaders there to to get the party vibe i, I thought they did a really good job i i, I enjoyed it absolutely yeah. they actually uh, i don't think you guys could see it on tv is they actually put uh speakers they actually brought out speakers throughout the entire along the sidelines so oh, it made okay. yeah it made for the uh, ambiance a hell of a lot better and you know, Cliff and I have been joking over the past couple of days. It's like you know, considering the uh, you know the fireballs that they were doing uh, during the, you know, during their show, we we're wondering if the people could at home could actually feel it, just like we could in stadium, <laughs> because those yeah. things were oh man. Even though it was it was just as cool as, as it was, I think over for the East final, it was nice to have the, just a little bit of heat coming towards us, <laughs> at least for a fifteen minute period. So that's true because it gets it was getting darker, is a little you know colder. Six o'clock start, you're eight o'clock and there's no sun to keep you warm so anyways yeah. you you guys let me know next year because i think i'm going to book uh my trip to the gray cup if the owls make it or not i think i'm, I'm planning to go out there so let me know cool. maybe i'll have to hang out with you guys yeah for sure man but Definitely. um yeah obviously we look back at this there's so many different narratives sean for this season you know from how it started off in training camp uh, ownership issues, uh, player issues, not not being able to keep free agents and stuff like that, and then just how they just uh, basically motored on throughout the year, got a couple of different pe puzzle pieces that really, really helped at the end of the year. When you were to be able to explain this 2023 season to somebody, you know, if you were to if you were to do you know your 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 final broadcast of the season, how would you explain this Alouettes championship season to somebody? That's a, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, I guess you would you would you would explain it with the season starting and the off season and free agency and then even the ownership before you got to the season. If you were going to start the season, the season was a question mark. And we saw what Dave Naylor even spoke about. You know, uh, years prior, if Stern did step up, that organization could have lost. And they got Stern for a while. That didn't work out, but he was kind of a placeholder until the uh, league took over and then Pierre Carl, Carl Pelado took over. But there was just a question mark. But then you would sum it up that everything got answered. And the answer, and, and, and this is not, you know, to say that Pierre Carl, Carl Pelado came in and answered the ownership and then they, they were able to move forward. But what that did, and I'm going to give a little bit of credit because I think this is where all the credit should lie on the Alouette season, is what Danny Machocha was able to do. We could talk about Jason Moss, we could talk about Cody Fajardo, we could talk about Sean Lemon, we could talk about Darnell Sankey, we could talk about Pierre Carl Pelado. But on top of my list of why the Owls won the Grey Cup this year was Danny Machocha. And it started prior to all those questions because he made the move last year to take over as coach. And, it, and let's be honest, it actually was pretty good. Him on the sidelines, the players liked him. Uh, Tyson Philpott was telling me just last week 
that he was begging for Danny Machocha to stay on the sidelines. And he had a great staff in place. Anthony Calvillo, uh, Noel Thor, Byron Archambault, everything was in place. But he was adamant. He's like, I don't want to coach. Then it was like a um, you know president, and they needed someone to run the ship. And he was adamant. I don't want to be president. I want to be a general manager. I want to build a team. He finally, with Pierre Carl Peldo coming in, he was finally able to just be a general manager. And we see what happened. The decisions to come in. The to me, the American guys that were coming in. The Reggie Stubblefields, the Cavian Entos. Let's 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 talk about those moves that no one's going to be talking about. You can talk about Cordell Rogers. I know that he ended up getting uh, hurt in the end. Uh, but these are the guys that he started to bring in. Sean Lemon, Darnell Sankey, those are the big splashes during the season. Everyone's like, oh, what a move. How come nobody else wanted that, right? Like, that's that's fine. But to me, I, it's about Danny Machocha. The other thing that Danny Machocha did, he brought in a head coach that didn't dismantle everything. Because I really felt the Owls built a pretty good season last year that was a win away from the Grey Cup against Toronto. And Danny Machocha said, I want to build on this. He didn't know if he could build it on free agency, but he could build what he had already. And they were all candidates. Byron Archambault, Anthony Calville, Noel Thorpe. Uh, we know Andre Bolduc as well. All interviewed for the job. Bolduc moved on. But then when he chose Jason Moss, an outside hire, Jason Moss had the right of refusal of all the assistants. And he re-interviewed them all. And he kept them all. And I think that kept the players on board. And I think that kept... Uh, like the player's message that Danny Machocha started and the coaches on board. And to me, all those little pieces land on Danny Machocha, having Moss, keeping the same staff, uh, because Northville could have walked away and found another job. Anthony Calvillo said, ah, oh, this is enough. Byron Archambault is going to be a head coach one day. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And But to me, that's, that's where I think if I'm going to tell the story of the season, it starts and ends with Danny Machocha. Absolutely, that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, no, I, I, you can't fault. I can't fault you the answer at all. I agree with you because, you know, Danny was the one waiting by the phone, waiting to see if there was going to be that influx of money from PKP, or well, the, when the league gave the final say that they could actually go ahead. Uh, it, it's is it is it fair? Because I call it this the team this all year, Sean. Is it fair to say that this is the team really was an expansion franchise? At least in my mind, it was. Just because of all the first-year players and you know, a smattering of rookies here and there, and they just all came together. You know, you know, you know first-year head coach. You know, just just those those particular pieces and, and new owner, et cetera, et cetera. Is it fair? I mean, I don't know what what you would have called them throughout the season, but that that I was calling them really a, an expansion franchise, a, a glorified expansion franchise. Is that is that a fair term to call them that? Early in the I season, did, I didn't really ever think of it that way at all. I I did feel like there was a good enough carryover that they weren't starting from scratch. I know that they were starting from scratch in a way where, you know, the receiving core, no one knew who these guys, I don't know if you guys knew who these guys were. No, um, no, but you know, I, you, I knew you, who Austin Mack was, but I'm also a 49ers fan. So, Oh, okay. 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 And we know, and we knew who Cole speaker was because yeah, from, was, from, from last year. Yeah. Yeah. From the last year. And to me, you know, even when all that happened, we saw what happened in the East final with Tyson Philpott. So there was this excitement about Tyson Philpott coming into the season. But what kept happening was, and I remember through training camp, I had Cody on once on my show. And first thing he said, he goes, day one, 
I was on the same page with Julian Grant. And I was like, oh, okay, Julian Grant, she's heading into his third year, Canadian receiver. I still felt that he was going to be an outside wide guy. Maybe, you know, he'll get his 35 catches and, you know, 450 yards and a couple of touchdowns, maybe one long bomb. But then we saw how the season started with Julian Grant and Pajardo. And I was like, whoa, this guy's going to have a thousand yard season. And unfortunately, injuries uh, hurt that. But then, you know, Austin Mack is there. And then the other ones, the Cole Speaker and Tyler Sneed, they were trying to figure out because they had uh, Keyshawn Abram that came in, uh, Courtney Davis, and they weren't they weren't sure which pieces and who was going to go grab. But Tyler Sneed came and grabbed the job. And then Cole Speaker grabbed that job. And you really let that competition go through step by step. I was I was really impressed about how that worked out in the end. But, you know, expansion franchise, I guess I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think of it that way. And, you know, with the, the rookies on receiver, the rookies on the back end, uh, defensively. Yeah, I, I, I could see where you're coming from, but I didn't I didn't think of it that way yeah. at all. Cliff. All right. With all the players, like all, this influx of new talents and everything, there a lot of people really wrote off this team early. I mean, never mind the ownership issues and new head coach and all this stuff. Like pretty much everybody and their mother had said that this team was going to be ninth or even 10th in a nine team league. If you can believe that's how bad they thought they were going to be. As far as you're concerned, like you, you talked about Danny Machocha being the architect of this team. And I agree with you hundred percent, but at what moment did you look at this team? Like what, what was there any one particular moment where you looked at this team and said, Oh my God, they really could do it. I win it all. That was later in the season for sure. Um, probably during the win streak after their loss to Toronto. And I knew that they weren't playing anybody tough, but they were still, they beat everybody lower than them in the standings. And you could say whatever you want. And they're like, oh, they're being these, they're supposed to beat these teams. And they did. They were the fourth best team at season's end. I know at season's end to end, they were the best team. And they went out and they they beat Winnipeg. And then they beat Toronto to, to, to me. Even when Toronto was a 16 wins, I still thought Winnipeg was the best team in the CFL. I still, I, I, I kind of stand by that. I was like, I still think Winnipeg's the class of the CFL. I thought, I still wasn't convinced on, on, uh, on Winnipeg. And I, and I was curious if uh, they faced BC because I think BC was a team that caused some fits for the Owls this year. They, they faced them twice. Um, in season, this the game that I knew that they were good. It was, it was, it was interesting. It was a game that. They lost 17 to 3 to the Bombers at Percival Molson Stadium. And that was, was that early July? It's Canada Day. It was Canada Day. Okay. You guys have a better memory than me. Um, and the Owls had a good start to the season. And I'm not saying that I thought that they were championship, but it's when I thought they were a good team. That was a, it was, it was, if I remember, it was a bad weather game. It was, it wasn't yep. a great weather game. And I looked at the defense and I thought the defense played outstanding that game. And it was, you know, I was like, it's, it says 17 to three, but I was like, the score's not 73. Offensively, the Owls had their problems that game. We know that. But I was like, this is a, this is almost a championship level defense. Now they got to figure things out moving forward and that's fine. But I, I kind of started to think that is this a championship level defense? We saw how many times that they were, sh- they were shutting out the opposition. They weren't giving up touchdowns. And, and then in, after that, they kind of went on that streak and they started losing and then injuries. Uh, took over the defense, and then they got a little pummel there until they got healthy, and then they figured out where they're going to place everybody. 
But that's when I started thinking that this is a championship caliber defense. Offense, well, we didn't see the championship caliber offense until the Great Cup, let's be honest. They were clearly saving their best for last because you're absolutely right. The defense, stellar, especially during the later part of the season, but the offense, there was just times where I felt like, okay, they're figuring it out, but my God, it's like getting there is not half the fun. <laughs> no, and, and I did a, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, heading into the Grey Cup, I was looking about offensive touchdowns because clearly they didn't, I think they ended up with 31 on the season, but offensive touchdowns and even if they just scored one offensive touchdown, and this is how good the defense was, they won more games. They they scored like one offensive touchdown three times, and they won. You know, I think it was five times, and they won three out of two, that uh, three out of five. Uh, you know, they it, they even won a game without scoring an offensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then if you get two offensive touchdowns, they were they were five and two, and then if they got three, they were like you know four and one. And then they only scored four touch offensive touchdowns in a game once this year, and they won that game. And they scored four in the Grey Cup. And, of course, they we know that they, they won that game. But to me, that kind of goes to show that it was they did lean on that defense, and it wasn't just about you know pick sixes or, or fumble recoveries for a touchdown. They were taking points on off the board like they did pretty much twice in the game against Winnipeg. You had the KB and Ento force fumble, which was in the red zone. Maybe it's going to be a touchdown. Maybe it's going to be a field goal. But they were in scoring position in that first half. And then the Ento, I, I, I call it the pick minus six because he took six points off the board. Now, mm-hmm. the Alouettes actually punted after that, and they didn't score directly off that turnover. But they took six points off the board that were because that was going to be a touchdown if he didn't make that acrobatic play. So mm-hmm. those are those are the those are the plays that don't go down in the historic uh, 10 touchdowns, defensive touchdowns uh, that they had in the regular season. Those are the plays that weren't touchdowns, but they were so many red zone turnovers. It was, it was unbelievable what that defense did. Yeah, and unquestionably, KB Nento with that pick in the end zone. I mean, that I think truly set the tone where I was like, okay, this team's not going to be denied. It's just they really just got to get the offense together. and And they did. But I, I think Anthony Calvillo called an absolutely fantastic match and did exactly what needed to be done to win this game. Yeah, people, I, people, I, people I, also forget, too, by the way, the other Ento uh, block in the end zone. Yeah. That also took away some points, too, because if, if Cabin hadn't gotten that one, that also could end up being another touchdown. So Cabin, for a guy that... Yeah, for a guy that... Yeah, for a guy who... You know who we gave flack to most of the season. He, he again, I was just t- you know as we mentioned to you earlier, Sean. It's like there's so many stories, so many stories for these guys who played you know bad and you know because Caven really got beat by Toronto early on. Bye week, he came back, switched sides on the defense. Something, man, something changed with them, and and, and we we were able to speak with them at Grey Cup. I, we don't know what it was. Some of these guys just be able to flip the switch. So, yeah. Well, he's he's, you know, it's it, and I always say this: it's so tough. Even these guys that played in the NFL that that makes the the jump to you, you need a you need a little bit of time to you know acclimate. That that to me, like I thought, Ento he needed half a season, right? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. a third of a season to acclimate himself. 
I, I truly believe CFL quarterbacks need to see the league for three years as a backup or at least in an organization to ever become a starter. And you could be the talent, most talented, you know, college quarterback coming from the States, or you were a backup in the NFL. You still need three years to watch the game to understand. I, that's how I truly believe in the CFL to become a starter. Uh, but that, and, and just to get to another player, that's what boggled my mind about Reggie Stubblefield this year. Mm-hmm. He was great from day one. And I was told when he got cut, they did not want to cut him. It was, they had to, it was kind of the way that the contracts were working. And they said to him, they said, please, you, we know you could go anywhere. Stay by your phone. We're going to call you. We're going to call you. And then it was a week later, they called him and then he came in and he was, he was in a halfback and then he was at corner. And then next thing you know, he had to be thrown into that Sam. And I, if the owls are smart, he could be their next chip Cox. Reggie Stubblefield is that good in that position. That's a lot to say, but I think that he could be, if he wants the next chip Cox in the next decade, sitting at that, at that position. He's, he's also, you know, he didn't win in my opinion. He's, he's he is our most outstanding rookie. Oh, because I, thought, I, I, I said he wasn't going to win, but I said he should win. I knew he didn't have enough recognition, uh, but I thought he should have won rookie of the year this year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cliff. Yeah. Just what a story. I and mean, again, we talk about this, keep talking about this story upon story upon story <laughs> with this, not just the, the, the great cup game itself, but just with his team in general, it's my gosh. I mean, we'll be doing our year end show very soon. And I, I could see that being a two parter just because of all the stories that are involved with this. I can only just imagine for you doing your year end show, what that's going to be like. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. My, my year end, we, we, my owls this week, we've already done the year end, but then I had five hours of, uh, Alouette's uh, parade coverage. Uh, we were there, uh, pretty much at nine. We started at 10. We went past Gallo and I went past our two o'clock. Uh, I, we were sitting there at the end of the show with the uh, Alouettes I call the three-headed monster, right? It was Moss, Machocha, and Whiteman, all three on the air with us at the same time. And I, I, I kind of looked at them. I said, "This is this is these are the three guys that are going to move forward the organization uh, because the owner just likes football, shows up and says, I'll pay the bills. And that's that's all you want as a GM. That's all you want as president. And I know that they had their big press conference this week, so – they were excited about some of the numbers that were out there. I After the parade, I had a buddy who used to have season tickets, but he didn't have any more use or go to two, three games a year. And then he's like, I went to the parade with my kids. I came home and bought season tickets right away, like nice. right away. And I said, those are the stories that you want to hear because clearly after watching the parade and, and what happened, there is a huge Al's fan base. Sometimes you don't get that feel at the game all the time. I know that as a broadcaster. I know that... You know, when I'm on social media, I, I think you guys know that when you guys travel and you're out there with the team, and I see it too. The, the Owls fans are there and they, and they are fierce, fierce fans. They may not be as numerous as a Blue Bombers base or a Rough Riders base, but I think we saw that at the parade. I think the players saw that at the parade and that parade really showed the players and the organization that there's something to build on this championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've I've said numerous times. You give these fans something to cheer about, and they will cheer. They will pack the stadium. They will buy the merch, all that stuff. And yeah, what what better incentive for them than to give them a, a thrilling victory, especially when nobody expected it, and then to come home, have an amazing parade, uh, 
again, maybe not as amazing as it was back in like 2009, 2010, but still getting people excited about Alouette's football. Like I'm, you, you said it, you, you, you've got a buddy already that's committed to season tickets for 2024. I imagine he's not the only one. I imagine there's dozens upon dozens of people have said, okay, I want to be a part of this and they're ready to go. Yeah, I, I think the early number was there was already almost a thousand um, when it, a thousand season tickets from the parade since then wow. uh, that they're working on, and that's just we're talking about a week, right? Uh, and and you're going now only a thousand, but again, you got to build somewhere from where they were. And during the season, they already saw the influx of numbers uh, coming in from from where they wanted. So this is this is good news for an organization that needed good news for such a long time. <laughs> Because it's got such a strong t- tradition. It's got such a strong tradition of winning. And, um, you know, you couldn't, I, I remember back, you know, covering the, the AC Ben Cahoon days and it, you, you couldn't get a ticket. You just couldn't. Now I know you can walk up and get a ticket to any game now, but that was the feeling is, Hey, do you have a house ticket? Do you have a house ticket? I, I, I want to go see a game. Now it's oh, okay. You, you go to the house. I'm going to go. And then I said, just come. And I tell people all the time, so just come up once on the mountain on a Friday night. Uh, come come up once on a on a you're you're going to enjoy the experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm my boys are at an age now. I'll I'll, I'll bring them to a game or two, and you know, they it, it's just all the little things, right? My my, uh, my oldest son, he still talks about the BMX show at halftime, right? Like it, <laughs> it's it you know, you're talking about a 13 year old football, yes, maybe a little bit, and he's there. He was there with his friends. Like, Got you know they you guys know season ticket holders can get out onto the the field after the game. Those are little things that that win over a crowd. I'm 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 still a, a sucker, even though I'm a a guy in his early fifties. I'm still a sucker for for the little guys playing football, and they are, they have it every year at halftime. Yeah. I, I I'm a big sucker for that. So yeah, always a um, blast. Yeah. Hey, Sean, do you you know we we Chris um, Cliff and I coined the term PKP effect early and we've heard it's not just from us but it's from, we've heard it from others too do you think that there there was generally a with PK with Pierre Carpello coming in buying the team and seeing what he did early in the season is it how much do you think that is going to carry over to his sophomore season as a as a as an owner well i think uh what was the first thing it's going to be the Videotron game day experience. And then it was the <laughs> Videotron Grey Cup Parade. And, and that's, that's fine. But here's the thing. Gary Stern and his group didn't have the connections in the Quebec community that PKP has. And right away, it's calling up a friend at this company and that company and this company. You're going to buy a lodge. You're going to buy a lodge. And I just but he went to seven friends and there was eight lodges already sold out for next mm-hmm. season which they probably didn't have and those you know that's how you generate revenue that's in and that's the you know so to me the pkp there you, you don't have a millionaire yet uh that's that's something that's right there right and um i i also think the pkp if uh effect and and, and we'll see i don't know him and i saw him a couple of times i was like hey hey pierre carl and he didn't know where he was, he was like hey, wait for me and we were just walking by on like I think we were in Ottawa when I saw him. I was just like, just saying hi. And I haven't had a chance to have a, yeah, not that I didn't ask. I just, I was busy with other stuff. He did one, I, I believe with Melnick. And so I kind of let that go. But his opening press conference, what I really liked was he goes, I'm not in it for the money. I was like, okay, good. Because <laughs> he's making <laughs> money with his franchise. 
is 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 one of the things I go back all the time with Bob Wettenhall, and everybody can they can feel however they want about Bob Wettenhall, but what did Bob Wettenhall do? He just funded a, a pet project. He's like, ah, I have no problem wasting eight nine million dollars a year. I own a football team, blah, blah, blah. and then and if the Alouettes didn't have that, then they wouldn't have had their franchise. So I, I, I tip my cap to Bob Wettenhall every day because there would have never mm-hmm. been an Alouette if he didn't have his pet project. And if he wanted to dabble and, and come into the locker room with the cigarettes, go ahead, you run the show, do whatever you want. PKP is the other kind of owner so far that you want. Shows up, pays the bills, says nothing, cheers on the team. Now, I haven't heard anything from Mark Waitman. I haven't heard anything from Danny Machocha, but it looks like they have the carte blanche that they want. And it's not that you go, oh, Pierre Carpelido, and it's going to be all French or this, and he has his own agenda in the end. You know, I don't think, I haven't felt that one bit. Let's see what happens in the sophomore season. I don't expect it to be any different. I'm curious about, uh, you know, the stadium. I'm curious about practice facilities. Those are always my big questions. If he's got the money and he wants to invest, that would be the biggest thing they could do this for this organization actually have something concrete that they can call their own because they you know even when the outs were on sale what were they selling there was nothing to sell there was no building there was no a couple offices and some football pads that's all they were selling there was there wasn't much to sell so i think with pierre carapelado you could sell a little bit more i don't i don't know or build maybe a little bit more i'm excited to see what he does without no, question I kinda, I, I, yeah okay, okay. yeah just as you said, billionaire with a B. So, I mean, he's, and he's clearly not afraid to lose money on this team, but I think ultimately with the connections that he has and the way he can put things together, eventually this team will turn around and be in the black. Like that's just the feeling you get. And he's going to do everything in his power to make that happen. And there may be an ulterior motive because again, come 2026, when the uh, broadcasting rights for the Canadian football league become available, you know he's going to want to throw his hat in that ring. I'm waiting for those. I'm so waiting yeah. for those. That's, that's going to be, that, that's that's be pop, popcorn, popcorn, man. Take it out. Yeah, but that's, but that's fine. The broadcasting is where they can get the money. Like, you know, TSN has this, and, and RDFs have the broadcast. And, you know, I work at TSN, so uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm behind that. And the radio broadcasts are different than TV broadcasts. But all that does is it makes two suitors, does it not? And two suitors, we saw, let's give an example of what happened to the NHL. Those, those rights switched over to that crazy 12-year deal. And everyone's like, you know, Sportsnet, what are you doing? But that's what the cost was because there was two parties. Now you saw Sportsnet, they maybe overpaid for what they were able to sell. So whatever that balance is, it's going to make the price go up. It's going mm-hmm. to put an influx of money into the CFL because it's a product that people want to watch. And, you know, it's not going to be at a, at, at a crazy height, but... To me, it's just competition, and I'm I'm kind of for that. And it doesn't mean he's automatically going to win the bid, and I'm sure he is. And maybe he only wants to win on the francophone side versus the the English side. Maybe it'll be kind of a split, and who knows? But uh, you know, that's we'll see what happens there. But it doesn't, in the end, for me, it really doesn't make it. You know, it's not going to make the CFL, you know, unavailable. It's still going to be available for everybody, and it's just going to put more money in the CFL's pocket. And I'm sorry, the CFL needs the money in their pocket. Yeah, I, I have this argument all the time. People get upset that they get this little logo on these on these sports jerseys, and I go, "Yeah, I know it's annoying, but these leagues need it 
<laughs> they, they need the money. And if someone's willing to pay for it, you take it. One thing I was going to say about uh, your PKP comment from earlier is that he, I think to me, uh, what stood out the most was that he bought the team, not mm-hmm. Quebec or he bought the team. I don't know if it would have been any different if it had been under the Quebec, uh, Quebec or name. I don't know. But I think it meant a lot to the uh, to the province, you know, to the fan base, et cetera, that it was him who bought it and not a corporate entity, so to speak. So, Yeah, but it's the other thing is, where did he make his money? He made his money being a businessman. Yep. And and I'm sorry, owning a, a sports franchise now is, is a business proposition. Mm-hmm. And the previous owners didn't make money. He's made a lot of money in business. So I'm pretty sure he had some pretty good ideas. That's whatever those ideas are, you know, I'm pretty sure you have some good ideas. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Yeah. My, ours was early in the season. I know we're talking about, you know, the, the upcoming broadcast rights, but yeah, I, I, to me, it was a, a shot across the bow to, uh, to bell media when he, on a, on the home jerseys, you can't miss that video Tron logo on the, on the away jerseys. You can't miss that freedom mobile. And which is now obviously, which is a, a national carrier. You mm-hmm. couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss it. So it was like, Okay. Okay. You know, it's not well, tell us anymore. Friends. It's not Bell anymore. It's it's like, yeah, look, look who we have. So <laughs> now, but that's it. Like how, so, so here's the question, right? So they, they, they get the advertising done with Videotron and put plop it on the Jersey and plop it on the parade. Yeah. Uh, is Videotron paying a dollar for that? Or is Videotron paying the Alouettes, you know, a hundred thousand dollars for that? It's a very right? good question. It, yeah, yeah. And that, and, you know, not that I need to know or even really care because that's business at a level that I don't even understand sometimes. But is it just to get Videotron out there and then there's a bigger piece down the line? Or is he actually he's already accumulated enough money that he's uh, he's already uh, rolling in the dough with the odds? I don't know. <laughs> that's I, I, I agree. I, it's something that it's a good question, but we're like. Eh, let's it, let's 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 see what Danny Mac's going to do in the off season and make yeah. sure that he keeps his team this team together as best as possible. So because he has he has the available funds, so it looks well, he's like got a ca- he's still got a cap to deal with, right? Like he's it's yeah. not like yeah. he, he's got unlimited funds here. No, uh, no, no. You know, there's like like he said at his press conference, all the players want to come back. He goes, "Is that likely? Probably not, but we're going to keep the ones that we think can keep us at a championship level." Yeah, exactly, Cliff. All right. Well, Sean, this was one hell of a season. I, I don't think anybody here in Montreal is going to forget what this Alouettes team did, and it's it, it it's still mind blowing. Like, I mean, it's been what, almost two weeks now since the Alouettes won the Grey Cup, and I think people are still on a high about this. I think people are still like, "Holy cow! This this really happened." And how do the Alouettes sustain that momentum? And yes, you're talking about the people already lining up to get season tickets and all that. But like, how do the Alouettes maintain that momentum, especially now that the season's over? And of course, you know, the focus in Montreal is going to go towards the Montreal Canadiens. How do you think the Alouettes are going to try and stay, I don't want to say relevant, but at least keep their names on people's lips during the off season? Yeah, I think uh, it's always tough to do in the off season. You kind of have to hit that lull, but you want to make sure that you're still out there in the media attend events. I thought Mario Cicchini in the past did such a great job with that, uh, getting some of the players that were still in town out to events, showing up. Uh, I know that the uh, Owls are going to be honored, I believe, on Saturday night at the Bell Center. 
Uh, I don't oh. think it's Thursday. I think it's Saturday night on the Bell Center. The Alouettes are going to be there. They're going to be pulled out. And I, I can't wait to hear because it's going to be Mark Antoine Ducroix coming out there with the Grey Cup in the middle mm. of the Bell Center. And that place is going to erupt. Uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I play, I play sports with my friends and I play soccer and I play uh, hockey. The conversation always revolves around the Canadians with what I do. And I, I play those sports, even baseball with, um, you know, Mitch Gallo. So everyone we get in the room, they're like, hey, let's talk sports. The last few weeks, man, it's been about the house. It's been about the house. How is that going to carry on in the middle of, you know, Super Bowl season? I'm not sure because, you know, the NFL and football is still out there or during the Canadians trade deadline. No, that's going to take over most of it. But it's it's about the house to make sure that they keep people involved. I know in the past on our radio station, we've had Al's come on and be football experts and we talk football with them. They, they've they been great that way. I know that Sean Lemon's already uh, said that he's interested in, in life, in radio and, and in the media after. So, you know, sometimes those guys dip their toes in uh, a little bit early. So, you know, staying relevant is going to be hard, but that's that's where Mark Waitman comes in. That's where the PR department comes in. And you're going to want to take advantage of this, of this swell momentum of attention. Without question. Wow. I mean, yeah. What, what more can be said? I mean, like they said, we're, we're still living off this high. We're still enjoying every second of this. It's, it's a good time to be a sports fan in Montreal. I have to say. Uh, it's, 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 it's been a lot of fun. And when you get a, a championship parade, uh, in Montreal, I think people are going to remember that. And, and, you know, broadcasting from there was a lot of fun. I remember broadcasting there in 2010. Uh, all you want to do is make people who didn't decide to go feel like they should have, should have came. Right. Yeah. Build that FOMO as they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, we appreciate you, bud. I know we've had you on the show before, but I mean, I felt it was necessary that we, you know, we get the, the perspective from, uh, from, you know, from local broadcast media. And, uh, uh, we, we may not be able to hear you all that often, but I can tell you that when you get to your, your sizzle reels together with your audio and the TV together, I love seeing those dude, please do more of those because those are absolutely amazing. Um, but it, uh, again, man, it, we, we love hearing you. We we're happy you're the voice of the Alouettes, obviously, and uh, uh, I can only imagine what 2024 is going to be like for for you guys over at TSN and uh, and just for you know uh, Alouettes Nation in general. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to next season. Should be a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, you guys keep uh, putting the good word out there. You guys represent. Uh, I love bumping into you guys when we're out on the road. I know that you guys do so well representing Alouettes fans across the country and. Uh, how many, how many, between the two, how many games did you guys see in person this year out of the 18? Uh, oh, or, or, six, the tw- or you mean at the 21? Yeah, it's 21. I <laughs> we, could, we could go to preseason too Fifth, if you want. Uh, Cliff, you saw 16. I saw, no, you saw 17, I think, Cliff, because you saw another game in Hamilton and the preseason okay. game. I saw 15. Yeah. Okay. I saw so, 20. Well, well, you know, yeah. How, how, how's, how's bragging camp going? <laughs> yeah, but I missed the I missed the last one. Remember that? Oh, okay, that's 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 yeah. fair, fair. And you get paid to do it too. I mean, we're paying yeah, out of pocket. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's your issue, guys. That's your issue. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta one, get, day when, 
Videotron sponsors out here. Where are they? Where's there the Videotron? Doctor PKP, come on. Yeah, believe me. When, when we get them on the show, we're, we're going to have some words. We're yeah. going to see. We're going yeah. to have to broker something because yeah. Absolutely. You know what? You should just put the logo when he comes on the show, and he's like, "Did I pay a dollar for that?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Just kind of like you know, the, like the tip jar. You know, like here you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, PKP, slide in my DMs. You know how. Uh, <laughs> Sean, if everybody wants to to follow you, dude, well, where can they where can they hear you? Where can they follow you on social media yeah i'm on uh I'm x instagram uh, sean r campbell uh on both it's uh, pretty simple and i uh, talk sports every day still lots of alouettes i'll do my best to keep them in the cycle for you guys on uh on uh, campbell versus gallo that's tsn 690 uh, 10 to 2 monday to friday and uh, a variety of other shows too at the same time but uh you know every single day talking sports and uh you know enjoying uh, enjoying this uh, swell of attention towards the alouettes Awesome. Thank you again, Sean, for joining us. We definitely appreciate you. And it, get some rest because I think you, you busted your ass all year. So <laughs> probably get a little bit of rest if you can. Yeah. A vacation next week. Don't worry about it. There you go. <laughs> it's funny. Broadcasters always seem to have a very unique perspective because, as he said, you know, he saw 20 games. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he saw 20 games. But I mean, he gave a very, he, he had some great, interesting insights and thoughts and by the way the first it's funny the first thing that 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 stands out in my mind is that they were kicked out of the press box (laughs) for the for the east final i was like where were you sitting we were on the same side of the field at bemo where were you standing where were you were people looking at you weird because you were talking to a microphone i I don't where were you guys so that you know it's funny like we we had media access you and i for the the press box at bemo field and never occurred to me to look for for sean and mark because you know obviously you don't want to bother them they're obviously working you know providing great coverage on the radio mm-hmm. but it, it's funny like didn't see them at all and like i i didn't think anything of it. it's like okay well maybe you know gone to the bathroom get a snack or something like that at halftime whatever i you know you, you do what you got to do but uh yeah never in a million years did i think oh they're outside <laughs> broadcasting the game <laughs> out out Amongst the great unwashed, like what? That yeah. that's wild. But welcome to the Canadian Football League, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, and obviously too. I mean, the last time that we saw them, you saw them, uh, was in the booth in Edmonton. So I mean, it's. I I would love to know how that. You know, I know we try to explain it as best as possible, but. Um, and anything uh, that uh, that Sean brought up that you that stood out in your mind. I mean, again, his 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 take on things was definitely fantastic. I mean, there there's so much. I mean, as, as we talked about, there's so many storylines within this yeah. great cup, this great cup winning season. I mean, and we'll definitely delve into it ourselves, you know, for our year end episode. And it's you know, it's definitely great to get his perspective of things again, just from his point of view. He's seen everything. Like he's gone on the road with the team. He's seen the trials, the tribulations, watch players grow, watch them fall off. What, you know, he's, he's seen it all too. And, you know, it it was just an absolute treat to be able to have him come on and just share some of that insight and some of that thought process with us. It just, I I really hope you folks listening truly understand and appreciate just how incredible it is to get that perspective of things from local media. It's just, it's a treat. There's no question about that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, 
uh, again, really the first thing that stood out to me was them being kicked out. That that that's that's funny. Out of all, all out of the entire forty minutes, that's that's what stood out the most was them getting kicked out. It was like, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Uh, never a dull moment. Let me tell you, uh, CFL, you so silly. Hey, there was some news today that the, that the CFL broke. It was kind of a, I guess we could say it was kind of a. Uh, worst kept secret type of thing, considering how much information was actually leaked. But what's funny about this news, which I know you want to talk about, uh, we found we kind of deducted something else just based off of that information that we found out. But what, what was that the the CFL announced today? Well, if you folks are big fans of Touchdown Atlantic, you're going to be a little disappointed because now they're going all the way to the left coast, and now it's going to be Touchdown Pacific. Yes, the BC Lions and the Ottawa Red Blacks on Labor Day weekend will be playing a game out in Victoria, British Columbia. And that weekend is very significant because, as you know, Labor Day weekend is huge, huge in the Canadian Football League. Uh, you're talking about like the usual matchups, like the Labor Day Classic between the Rough Riders and the Blue Bombers the Battle of Ontario between Hamilton and Toronto and the Battle of Alberta between Calgary and Edmonton. And there's always that one combination of Ottawa, Montreal, and BC in some way, shape, or form. The two of those three teams end up playing each other and the other one gets a bye. Now this year, because it's Ottawa, they announced it was Ottawa going to Victoria to play the BC Lions. That leaves the Alouettes as the odd man out, so to speak. So, Without seeing the schedule, which should be coming out in the next couple of weeks, we've already been able to put two and two together and figure out mm -hmm. that, oh, that's one of the Alouette's three bye weeks is going to be Labor Day weekend. So if you were looking forward to a, a Ottawa-Montreal Labor Day classic, sorry, folks, not not this year. <laughs> No, no, but but uh, you know, with with the league talking about how they were going to go back to a, a balanced schedule when it came to you know a, there will be at least one home and away for you know when it came to come east versus west, et cetera, et cetera, and and less matchups, I guess, uh, between within the division itself. Uh, yeah, again, it, it's it's always been that way. I think they've always tried to make the best as they could when it came to uh, the three teams and. You know, we know that the the matchup between Ottawa and uh, and Montreal, we're, we're leaving that. You know what? I'll I'll give that up to take uh, uh, to give it to Thanksgiving Day any day of the week. So I mean, I can't I can't complain with that. One question I wanted to ask you is specifically about Touchdown Pacific. Um, I I I understand what they're looking to do. I understand, you know, even the commissioner said, too, that they have, they're still having the major talks, whatever the hell that means, uh, with the, the person uh, who potentially could be the new owner of the Halifax team or the Halifax Schooners or whatever you're going to call them. Um, do, I don't know if Touchdown Atlantic had, me, had, has, did everything that it needed to. I mean, there were still locations within Halifax, within Nova Scotia that you could have a game at. It just seems weird. I mean, considering the location of where the BC Lions are and versus the closest team from Halifax, the closest Eastern team in Halifax, I don't know how... 
I know they're pushing the, the, the league. This could be good for the league. It expands, you know, more people see it. I mean, Victoria isn't that far from BC. I just don't get it, Cliff. I, I don't know if this is, I mean, I guess, you know, Toronto doesn't have to give up a home game. Maybe Toronto was give, tired of giving up home games for a touchdown Atlantic. I don't know. Um, but BC's not giving up a home game because they're basically going to be controlling it anyways because they're going to be staying in, in, in... I just don't know if it's going to if it's going to get that that mini Grey Cup hype considering that BC has the Grey Cup in 2024. It's not like it. It's not like it was when it when it came out east. Yeah. I I get what you're saying and I I can appreciate that sentiment. Uh because again, it, even though it's touchdown Pacific and you're playing in a place that's not typically housing a CFL team or, or a stadium or such, but it's still another chance to get the word out. It's still another chance for fans to see a Canadian football league game in a different locale. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's an appeal to that as well. But the interesting thing about this is the fact that for touchdown Atlantic, for example, it wasn't just the fans of teams that are playing in touchdown Atlantic that were going, making the pilgrimage to the Maritimes. Other fans would be making that uh, trip as well, even though their team's not in it. Still, like as you said, for that sort of mini Grey Cup feel to it, mm-hmm. that's why that, that was the appeal for a lot of fans to go and check out Touchdown Atlantic, even if their team wasn't in it. It was just the idea of seeing a Canadian Football League game in a different locale, like one that has no team whatsoever. Whereas I don't think you're going to quite get that with Touchdown Pacific. I mean, if you're a BC Lions fan, especially one that's not living on the in Vancouver proper itself, like if you're living on Vancouver Island, you're excited because, oh, now my team's going to be a little bit closer to me. I'm, I, I, I now have this opportunity to see them in a totally different setting. And that's great. I mean, that's definitely great because, again, it is the BC Lions, not the Vancouver Lions. So as far as the efforts to try and promote the fact that this is BC's football team, and it applies to all of British Columbia. And I think in that sense, it's it's a great thing and a great way to help strengthen that resolve between the the people of British Columbia and the Lions. Uh, it's still going to be an event. It's still going to be interesting. Uh, but I think the fact that you're not going to get quite as many fans traveling, I think, to see that game. I agree. Uh, I, I mean, let's face it, like the Labor Day Classic, I mean, is, is massive. And Ryder fans, you know... They're everywhere. They will travel to see Canadian football, especially if the Riders are playing in the game, which they're not. So, but again, you're you, I don't see too many Rider fans or Bomber fans going to make that trek. If you have the choice to make a trek to which game you want to see, I don't think too many of them are going to choose Victoria over Regina, for example. Yeah. Yeah, I just checked. By the way, including all the, including the ferry that has to be taken, et cetera, et cetera. I, I guess I, I guess I can't read and think of where everything was located at the time when I first saw it. But it, it, it's three hours from BC Place mm. to Royal Athletic Park. Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a hike. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, too. I mean, again, I've not been. To, I've, I haven't been to. I haven't been to Victoria. Um, 
I'm curious to see what they're going to be able to do with it with this park because I think it's a park of three thousand, but it's a it's a grass field by the way. That's a that's a plus. Mm-hmm. Um. So I get you know again. I, I'm curious how many members of our nation are going to make the pilgrimage to Victoria. I think that'll be key as well. well I, I don't I, know if they're going to if there's if the Red Blacks are going to offer a, a travel package. Uh, you know they've done ooh. fan play they've done yeah. fan plane games before. Uh, out to Regina, for example, and True. and such. So, would they do something similar to that? I think it would be a great idea. I mean, especially if you get enough fan interest involved and make the package relatively affordable. I mean, you, let's not forget you are flying from Ottawa to Vancouver or Victoria, mm-hmm. I should say. So, I mean, it's not going to be cheap. Flying, can you fly into Victoria? I don't see why not. Again, this is this is. I, I know you can fly into BC, right? But. But, but I mean, sorry, but, sorry, Vancouver, Vancouver. Yeah, but but still, I I put it this way: I'd be very surprised if the Red Blacks don't figure something out for their fans to go and experience something like this. Because as as cool as it's going to be for the people of British Columbia, I have to believe Red Blacks fans are going to want to partake in this as well, and they're going to want to experience seeing their team in a different locale, and especially in one that has never been truly seen before. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's that sort of there's got to be some sort of interest in that as well. So I'm curious to see what uh, Oseg does when it comes to promoting this particular game, because I'm sure the, the prevailing thought is, yeah, it's going to be all of BC that's going to want to congregate towards Victoria and, and check out this match. But I mean, quite frankly, I mean, you, you, it would be a great thing to invite your, you know, your opponent's fan base as well and let them come and have the opportunity to see, what could be a, a once in a lifetime event. Yeah. Again, it's, I just think it's, it's kind of overkill with, with, uh, BC having the great cup this year. And I understand, I think they're, they're making, you know, they're using that to promote the great cup also, et cetera, et cetera. And well, I guess, uh, you know, well, I, great I, guess, cup, I, I guess we'll see. By and large though, great cup sells itself. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't really need the promotion. I mean, to me, you, is, you got to see it firsthand. You know, like, yeah. Everybody congregates to wherever Grey Cup is. This year, it happens to be in Vancouver. I don't think it's going to be an issue selling out BC Place. I don't think it's going to be an issue as far as people being able to go and enjoy Grey Cup for what it is. I don't think it needs to be sold, for lack of a better term. Whereas Touchdown Pacific, it's it's something new. And okay, maybe the, I I see what you're saying when it comes to like the the timing of it, seeing as how the Vancouver's already going to have the Grey Cup, but it's still going to be something interesting. And I think some people, maybe that's kind of the choice they're going to have to make: is do we go see Touchdown Pacific or do we go to Grey Cup? Yeah. By the way, speaking of Grey Cup, rumor is November seventeenth, twenty twenty four. Rumor is. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see soon. By the way, and this is another thing too. I know uh, I've been talking with some others about this. Could this Touchdown Pacific be a test for when FIFA takes over BC Place. That's a good point. Because come 2026, uh, both the Argos and the Lions are going to be shut out of their own stadiums. For months. Yep. And Toronto, okay, you could go to Tim Hortons Field and play there. I'm sure it's going to kill a lot of Argos fans to have to go watch watch their team play in Hamilton Stadium, but 
that is a solution. Whereas the Lions, unless you're going to rebuild Empire Field. Uh, Which was so cool. It, it was, without question. But again, with the logistics of being in, uh, in Vancouver while World Cup is going on, that too could pose a lot of problems for not just, you know, people living there, but if God forbid you want to travel and see the team as well, in which case, yeah, maybe this is sort of a, uh, you know, dipping your toe in the water to see, okay, well, if we're going to have to displace the team, Victoria may not be a bad option. I yeah, mean, cause it's it, not, not just the lions. It's also, uh, the white caps, same thing right. in Toronto. It's the Argos and it is, uh, TFC. So again, there, there are solutions for, for both teams and potentially that could be the solution for the Vancouver based teams is, well, let's see if I try this out, this, this touchdown Pacific, see if it holds any water, see if there's something to it. And then once 20, 2026 rolls around, then you, by then you'll know, okay, well, if we can't play at BC place, like we're supposed to, then we do have an option. And yeah, that, that's not as crazy as it sounds when you think about it. Yeah. So obviously we're still on our high. You know, I'm just going to take take a while. Uh, you can't grit. And by the way, we we are still broadcasting. We still, we still have shows to go within the, within the, this 2020, 20, 2023 season, don't we, Cliff? So um, we do. There's uh, we 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 we've like timing this week. We we had a couple of people in mind that we'd love to have on. It uh, didn't work out for us this week, so we're hoping over the next week or two that we can make that happen. So, I mean, truthfully, even though our season is almost over, it's still not over yet. So make sure if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. Uh, let us know how we're doing in the comments below. Uh, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast, uh, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you you throw us some thumbs up. Uh, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you's feedback. It's, it's been so awesome. Like Tim was telling me, the numbers have been increasing with uh, all of our content, and we appreciate each and every one of you that comes and checks out the flight deck. Mm-hmm. We love doing this for you guys. Uh, we're so happy that, yes, the LOS won the Great Cup. That's all obviously going to make us do better podcasts and want to do provide better content for each and every one of you. Like that's, that, This is the thing. It's been a party for the past two weeks, and the party is not stopping yet. That that's what makes this so much fun is that we're not ready to go. Like normally this time, okay, you know, like, all right, end of the season, let's 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 do that, let's get ready and you know hope for next year. But no, we're we're not ready to go yet. We, we're <laughs> we're going to enjoy this. We the ones, exactly. we the ones that are going to keep doing this. We the ones that are going to keep providing the content, and you guys be the ones to come back and check us out next week. Yeah. Yeah, and until uh, further notice. Yeah, uh, stay tuned to refer so anything on social media. Do I would expect to see something very shortly when it comes to the Alouettes locker room sale. I know that the uh, I know uh, the Eskimos, uh, the Elks just did theirs um, uh, this week. There's this virtual, but uh, the, I'm I'm looking forward to it because uh, uh, even though I do have my getting my Grey Cup merch there. Uh, uh, Cliff, I know there's certain things that I want to get. So but stay tuned for anything anything else, too. So make sure you, you check out all of our socials. And you want to email us, let us know what we're doing right, doing wrong, things that we could do in the future. Email me at tim.capper at alouettesflightdick.ca or email cliff at cliffyd.pine at alouettesflightdick.ca. So 
we will see you guys uh, next week uh, and uh, talk more and still glow about this uh, 2023 championship that the Alouettes have won. So uh, we'll talk to you soon. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.